Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to SaskAg Today with your host, Ryan Young. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to SaskAg Today. It's brought to you by Milligan Bio, the leading buyer of heated and damaged canola in Saskatchewan, wants to buy your seed. Visit MilliganBio.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today on the eve of National Truth and Reconciliation Day, we highlight Indigenous peoples' involvement in agriculture and how that's influenced farming today. In the Senate, another ag-related bill was up for discussion. Canola and wheat futures were down again this week. We talked with Adam Piccalo to break that all down. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Saskag today on 620 CKRM. This is Saskag today with 620 CKRM Ag News Director Ryan Young. Saskag today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection, and Farm Fresh Water. Fix your water problems. Visit farmfreshwater.ca. The National Center for Truth and Reconciliation has been holding some very informative lunch and learn sessions this week as we get closer to Truth and Reconciliation Day tomorrow. One of the participants was Dr. Carrie Miller, the Associate Vice President of Indigenous Curriculum, Scholarship and Research at the University of Manitoba. She shared some history that very few Canadians may be aware of and that Indigenous people were invested in agriculture right across the country. You know, of course, we have over 550 nations here, so it does vary a bit by nation and and ecozone. But there was a large amount of pre-contact agriculture. And when we think about the ways that Indigenous people manage the land through controlled burns and, and other means to encourage the growth of some plants, to maintain certain areas for large game animals to browse, There's a degree of husbandry that's involved in that that encourages the increase of animal populations, you know, the expectation of spending time as a young person watching what happens on the land, learning about the animals, their reproduction cycles, how many are born each year for the purpose of managing how many to hunt from your territories that year. That's a certain degree of animal management that is not applied, even when people sort of refer to Indigenous people as hunters. Miller also mentioned crops Indigenous people planted back then. When we look at the kinds of of produce, corn is domesticated over 7,000 years ago and gradually moves up from south to north and becomes diversified into hundreds of different strains of corn through careful selection of seeds by different indigenous people in different ecozones. So corn is very widely cultivated here and we also see crops like quinoa, beans and squash. There are many food products that dominate our diets today 
that come from indigenous agriculture. In the Andes in South America, the Inca nation there had terraces that would go up uh, the mountain for the cultivation of potatoes. And they had different strains of potatoes for the different altitudes along their terraced crops going up those mountainsides. So these kinds of foods travel over to Europe and have enormous impacts. You know, tomatoes come from North America. And yet, how can we even imagine or think about Italian cuisine today as being without tomatoes? She talked about the different farming practices. As I was talking about in that Lunch and Learn, the way that my community on Shinabe engaged in agriculture was that rather than terraforming the land to create large uh, field agriculture and engaging in crop rotation, we more intensively farmed resources where they were already suited to the soils and the water table and so on that was already there. So wild rice, sugar maple stands, and then our gardens of combined corn, beans, and squash. And all of these regions, along with spaces for berry picking and so on, would be within about a 20 by 20 village territory. And people would move camp as different crops came into the harvest cycle, had ripened up. For example, blueberries need a very sandy soil in order to thrive, which would not be the same soil where you want to grow your corn, beans, and squash. So having all of these different ecosystems and learning how to manage them, learning that blueberries need to be burned over about every five years in order to maintain peak productivity, these are all practices that Indigenous people engaged in. And the corn, beans, and squash, of course, you have the nitrogen exchange between corn and beans that in modern agriculture today is done through crop rotation. For Indigenous communities, they would plant raised garden beds with kind of a row down the center of that raised bed of corn. Then around each hill of corn was planted the beans, which then could use the corn plant itself as a trellis and then uh, squash along the edges that would then develop these very large leaves that would shade in the lower points between the raised beds and thus maintain a moisture level in in the garden. So all of those things are a part of Indigenous agriculture. That's Dr. Carrie Miller, the Associate Vice President of Indigenous Curriculum, Scholarship and Research at the University of Manitoba, talking about early Indigenous people and their ag-based lives. You're listening to Saskag Today on 620 CKRM. Up next is federal ag critic John Barlow. He spoke to the Senate Ag Committee about a different bill other than Bill C-234, which has gotten a lot of discussion. This time it's on Bill C-275. We're back with Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskag today is brought to you by Prairie 6-Inch. For Prairie 6-Inch Eaves Trough, size matters. So see Prairie 6-Inch Eaves Trough, your farm shop specialist, prairieevestrough.ca, and Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. While the Senate Ag Committee continues to reveal, review rather Bill C-234, Commons Ag Committee started debating Bill 275. It was introduced by federal Tory ag critic John Barlow. It's similar to a bill he tried to get passed in the last parliament, but it died on the order table when the prime minister called an election. Barlow outlined what this bill is all about. 
This is very similar to a previous bill that we've dealt with in C-205. Simply put, this existing, this enactment would apply existing penalties within the Act to people who trespass on farm and on properties at facilities where animals are kept. It is also proposed to double those existing fines for amounts uh, to groups and organizations who encourage this unlawful behavior, which put the biosecurity of our farms and our farmers' livelihoods at risk. This bill does not limit an individual's rights to peaceful protests on public property. This bill does also does not prevent whistleblowers from coming forward when they are witnesses to practices from je that jeopardize our food security, our food safety, or the welfare of animals. Canadian farmers and ranchers have a moral and legal obligation to look after their animals. It's simply that clear. In fact, farmers and their employees are obligated to report to the appropriate authorities any wrongdoing that they operate or see in a highly regulated environment and must follow strict codes of conduct to ensure the health, safety, and welfare of farm animals. Now, members from all parties have recounted situations in their writings when this bill was debated in the last parliament. What worries me, colleagues, is since we had that discussion a couple of years ago, animal activists have become even more brazen to the point where they are endangering the lives of animals on farms, but in some cases, the public and the livelihood of our farmers. And where this started, colleagues, was an incident in my riding with the Shedder family who woke up one morning to check on their free-range turkey farm and had 40 activists uh, camped out in their barn. Uh, it took five to six hours to to de-escalate and have these, these protesters uh, removed. However, the impact on the family has been long-lasting and it still uh, impacts them to this day where they question uh, why they were targeted and what they had done wrong as they have followed all the rules and, uh, again, have a free-range farm in Fort McLeod. The discussion that followed on Thursday included this question from Manitoba Liberal MP Ben Carr. What is it that animal rights groups are finding that are driving them back continuously to these farms? You know, I, I can't speak for all these groups and what, what they think they're seeing. Um, I think it's, it's twofold, uh, Mr. Carr, where there's no question is this is successful fundraising for them, obviously, from the numbers that we have seen. And I, I will maybe table this document with, uh, with the, the committee so they can see that. Um, but in many cases, what, uh, you know, are, are they catching some things that shouldn't be happening? Perhaps. But in many cases, what they are showing, um, a lot of consumers or Canadians don't understand. For example, on the Shedder Farm, um, when they open those doors to that barn, um, turkeys or chickens, if it was chickens, they panic. They are fight or flight. They run over each other and stomp and tr literally tramp trample each other. So I, I know in the one video that we saw, they, they said, well, look, we have a couple of dead, dead birds. Well, those dead birds died because those protesters went in, and these birds were not expecting it, not, didn't know who they were. Uh, you know, we have 30 or 40 people come in there. They scared the crap out of them, and they trampled each other. If you've been into a chicken barn, you understand 35,000 birds and some of those things, lots of room to go around. But when you put them all rushing into one area, that's what happens. So I think they're being, in many cases, disingenuous in what, what they're, what's happened. Their goal is to end animal agriculture, and that's, that's, that's the, the justi justification of what they're doing. That's Alberta Tory MP John Barlow talking about Private Members Bill 275. You're listening to SaskAg Today. Up next is today's Ag Review. You're tuned in to Saskag Today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. 
Today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94 is brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt has proclaimed October 1st to the 7th as Animal Health Week in Saskatchewan. The week recognizes the high level of care ranchers provide to their livestock, the veterinarian-client relationships that inform animal care decisions, and the links between human and animal health and the environment. Animal Health Week has been an annual event for more than 30 years, proclaimed nationally by the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association and supported by the Saskatchewan Veterinary Medical Association. This year's national theme is It Takes a Team to Protect Your Animal's Health and You. This year's theme recognizes all veterinary professionals, from technicians and assistants to office managers and administrative staff, and the work they do. Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley has announced the launch of the new Dairy Innovation and Investment Fund. With an investment of up to $333 million over the next 10 years, the fund will help the Canadian dairy sector increase its competitiveness and adapt to new market realities. The fund is part of the Government of Canada's commitment to support supply-managed sectors for the impacts of the Canada-United States-Mexico Agreement, or CUSMA. Like most dairy-producing countries, Canada is facing a growing surplus of solids non-fat, or SNF, the remaining component once cow's milk is processed and the fat is removed for use in products like butter and cream. Through the Dairy Innovation and Investment Fund, Canadian dairy processors will have access to support for medium to large-scale projects that will help the sector better manage the surplus of SNF in Canada. U.S. grain handler Schooler is stepping up its Canadian prairie flax processing game as it completes its exit from the region's pulse crop sector. The company last year opened up a high-speed flax line at its pulse and special crop site at Richardson, Saskatchewan, just southeast of Regina. And it has now moved to focus 100% on flax at that site and completed a list of upgrades to that effect. Schooler announced September 7th it now has three processing lines at Richardson dedicated to flax, effectively doubling its capacity, and has boosted its flax-specific storage there to 280,000 bushels. The upgrades also include new state-of-the-art equipment that enables the site to meet the highest level of food safety standards. The plant is Global Food Safety Initiative certified, benchmark to the FSSC 22000 standard and also holds organic certification. Global positioning tech firm Trimble is set to sell its precision ag business into a new joint venture company that will include farm machinery maker Agco's made in Manitoba autonomy arm. From a farmer's perspective, the two companies say their combined technology offering is expected to offer seamless integration and connectivity across geographies, equipment brands, and the crop life cycle. The structure of the deal announced yesterday will see Trimble receive $2 billion U.S. cash and a 15% share in the new joint venture for total pre-tax value of about $3 billion U.S. accrued to that company. Agco, whose machinery brands include Massey Ferguson, Fent, Challenger and Valtra, 
contributes its GCA Technologies business to the new joint venture and will hold the 85% majority stake. Poland's agriculture minister says talks with Ukraine are on track as the two countries try to resolve a dispute about a ban imposed by Warsaw on Polish grain imports. Warsaw and Kyiv are allies, but relations have soured since Poland, Hungary and Slovakia decided to extend a ban that was introduced to protect farmers from a surge in grain and food imports from Ukraine after Russia's invasion last year. Ukraine's proposal involves the introduction of export licenses for corn, rapeseed, sunflower seed and wheat destined for export to five neighboring countries in Central Europe that are members of the European Union. Under the proposal, Ukraine would agree on the list and volume of products with importing countries, which would determine whether they are ready to accept these goods. And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your Saskag Today weather on your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan, call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy, southeast wind at 20 gusting to 40 kilometers an hour, high of 18. Tonight, clearing late this evening, a low of plus 2. Tomorrow, increasing cloudiness and a 60% chance of rain late in the afternoon. Winds from the northeast at 20 gusting to 40, high of 16. Tomorrow night, cloudy and a 60% chance of showers, low of 9. Showers on Sunday, high of 17. Showers continue into Sunday night and a low of 7. Showers on Monday, high of 13, the low 5 degrees. Tuesday, partly cloudy, high of 16, low 4. Partly cloudy again on Wednesday, high of 15, the low 3. And partly cloudy again on Thursday, high of 14 degrees. Normal highs for this period are at 15. Normal lows 1 degree. Sun rose at 6.55 this morning. Sun will set at 6.41 p.m. Around the province in Estevan, 21. Weyburn is also at 21. Swift Current in Saskatoon, 15. Yorkton, 16 degrees. Warm spot in Saskatchewan is Estevan at 21. Cool spot is Uranium City at 9.5. In Regina, mostly cloudy. West-southwest wind at 17. Humidity at 45%. Temperature 15 degrees or 60 Fahrenheit. Barometric pressure at 101.3 and rising. In Moose Jaw, partly cloudy. South-southwest wind at 15. Temperature 17 degrees. Again in Regina, mostly cloudy. West-southwest wind at 17. Temperature 15 degrees. Back in a moment. Catch up with all your ag news anytime at saskagtoday.com. Now, back to Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskag Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. A different week, but the same trend for canola and wheat futures. Future Commodity Advisor with PI Financial, Adam Piccalo, says the November canola contract was down by $8 a ton this week to $714. It does seem like that 700 level could be in sight at 
at some point. Uh, when looking at the soy markets, we are kind of trading right at the lower end of the ranges on soybeans and, and soybean oil. Uh, it doesn't seem like there has been any really bullish news as of kind of right now. I'm seeing the USDA kind of revising some of their numbers and, you know, maybe taking away from any bullish news potentially on the soybean side, which uh, is, I believe, spilling over to canola a little bit as well. However, I have started to hear uh, from producers maybe that uh, harvest pressure starting to subside a little bit here. But overall, I am hearing too from clients that canola is a little bit better than, than they thought kind of throughout the prairies, especially given kind of the, the poor weather that we have had kind of this year. Bacallo said the downward trend for December Minneapolis wheat continued as it was down 27 cents a bushel to around $7.42 this week. So that's kind of making new lows on that contract. Uh, again, today there is a, a stocks report and wheat production numbers from USDA. So that's, I would say, something that's definitely going to be kind of a market mover um, at 11 central time and might set the tone, I would say, for, for the kind of the coming kind of weeks and, and months as well, too. He says he doesn't put expectations on USDA reports before they're released. I always tell clients that it's a bit of a coin flip when it comes to USDA days. So I, I don't really like to say kind of one way or the other. Uh, you know, when looking at other markets, outside markets, though, U.S. dollar is down here today, kind of looking like it is kind of at that top end of the range. Uh, so that should help support, you know, a grain kind of U.S. prices kind of going forward, um, as well as any energy prices. WTI oil is stronger. So that should be, you know, a little bit more supportive as well for grains. Adam Piccalo is a future commodity advisor with PI Financial. You're listening to Saskag today on 620 CKRM. We'll be back right after the break. You're tuned in to Saskag today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskag today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Today's Saskatchewan Agriculture Report comes from Dwayne Sumac. Sumac is a livestock and feed extension specialist with the Ministry of Agriculture. He talks about planning for this year's winter feeding program. Planning your winter feeding program early in the season allows for the most effective use of limited resources. Knowing feed quality is best accomplished through feed testing. Generating a representative sample requires taking enough subsamples and thoroughly mixing. With feed that is being unloaded off a truck and into a bin, this is accomplished by collecting small amounts of grain or pellets as they flow into the auger. Bales are best sampled using a forage sampler. At least 20 bales should be sampled to represent a forage lot. Each type or lot of forage should be sampled separately. The grass hay from the North 40 should be stored and sampled separately from the alfalfa hay from the home quarter. An accurate feed inventory is required to establish a feeding program. Counting bales is useful, but assumptions about bale weight are often made. Establishing actual weight by hauling a few loads across a scale can be beneficial. For example, 
If the assumption is that 100 bales weigh 1,400 pounds each, the total weight is 140,000 pounds. If the actual weight of the bales is 120,000 pounds, then it's like 14 bales disappeared. Once feed quality and quantity have been established, the data can be entered into a ration balancing program such as CalBytes, which is available to order from the Beef Cattle Research Council. Use of ration balancing software allows the user to run various scenarios to identify how to use the resources best. Do I have enough good hay to feed the cow herd during lactation and develop extra heifers for breeding? Estimating how much feed is going to be used over the course of the feeding period can identify potential shortfalls well in advance, allowing a plan to make up the balance simpler to implement. For example, if you are going to be short 50 bales of hay, it may be easier or even more cost effective to purchase a load of grain to add to the ration during the coldest portion of the winter. Assistance in developing a winter feeding program or in using cow bites may be obtained by contacting your local Ministry of Agriculture Regional Services Office or the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. That's Dwayne Sumac, a livestock and feed extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Coming up, the market update. Here's the market update with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were down in early trading today. Canola is down 80 cents to 672.12. Number one red spring wheat is down $5.23 at 317.92. The rest were unchanged. Durham 514.74, feed barley 272.58, chickpeas 1036.17, flax 561.54, lentils 837.10, oats 294.32, yellow peas 382.89, feed wheat 223.56. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring, spring wheat for December is down four and a half cents to seven dollars and forty-two and a half cents a bushel. Up next, Livestock Reports. The Saskag Today Livestock Reports on your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock at 842-4574. Now, the Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon. This is Travis Platt with Heartland Livestock Moose Jaw. This past Tuesday, we had our Charlotte and Simmental pre-sort with 3,200 calves showing up, and here's how it went. 65, 10 steers weighing 422, brought 537. 113 exotic steers weighing 538, brought 429.25. 126 red and black steers weighing 477, brought 457. 48 tan steers weighing 588, brought 423.75. 91 exotic steers weighing 657, brought 382. 42 tan steers weighing 644, brought 398.25. 72 exotic steers weighing 700, brought 368.50. And 19 char exotic steers weighing 766, brought 341.50. On to the heifers. 40 tan heifers weighing 378, brought 475.50. 72 exotic heifers weighing 476, brought 389.50. 81 red black heifers weighing 483, brought 391.50. 57 tan heifers weighing 538, brought 384.25. 19 tan heifers weighing 587, brought 366.50. 
On the regular cow and bull sale this past Thursday, we just had under 400 head, and the market was holding steady. Them good cows are $1.25 to $1.35, with sales up to $1.41. Them medium cows are $1 to $1.25. Them good bulls are still $1.50 to $1.60, with sales up to $1.71. Next week, October 3rd, we have our red and black pre-sorted calf sale, and we're expecting another good run of calves. If you have any other questions or looking to book in, don't be afraid to give us a call at 692-2385. This is Travis Platt reporting the Heartland Livestock Moose Jaw. Good day and good selling. The latest pork prices are at $208.71 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. It's the Saskag Today Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Canada's real gross domestic product was essentially unchanged in July, following a 0.2% decline in June. Statistics Canada says service-producing industries gained 0.1% in the month, while goods-producing industries contracted 0.3%. The manufacturing sector was the largest negative contributor for the month as it fell 1.5%. The agency says its early estimate for August pointed to an increase of 0.1% for the month, with increases in the wholesale trade and finance and insurance sectors. Inflation in Europe fell 4.3% this month, down from 5.2% in August. That's raising hopes that consumers will eventually get relief from costlier groceries, vacations and services, and that the European Central Bank could avoid raising interest rates again. But economists say some of the dip is just a statistical quirk. Experts say that if oil prices rise any further, a hope-for decline in inflation will slow. On the markets, the TSX is down 22 points at 19,568. The Dow is down 192 points to 33,473. Oil is down 39 cents at $91.32 per barrel, and the Canadian dollar is at 73.70 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the on-demand Sask Egg Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. And that's Friday's edition of Saskag Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.